This episode is sponsored by our friends at Fujifilm North America. Their X-Series digital cameras and lenses may just give you that creative edge you're looking for in your portraits and events. You'll find everything from 40 megapixel image quality to 40 frames per second bursts, plus unique in-camera film simulation modes and effortless usability. Click the link in the episode description to find the full range. There has never been a better time to invest in your passion, so make sure to click the link. Hey there, it's Nikki Klosser, and I want to let you know about an awesome free giveaway for people on our email list. If you haven't already, click the link in our podcast description or go to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up to get on the list. If you sign up, you'll get a free posing 101 PDF to jumpstart things. It's an epic PDF, so you'll definitely want to get this. Also, just by being in our email community, you'll get deals, sales, and information about any of our upcoming events and activities. So head over to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up and sign up today. You're listening to the Portrait System Podcast. I say is, you know, she became my therapy dog. I became a therapy human. And because of that, she saved my life. Welcome to the Portrait System Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Klosser, and this show is here to help you succeed in the world of photography and business, to help you learn to become financially free doing what you love and so much more. With over 1 million downloads, countless photographers have taken what they've learned from both our episodes and from theportraitsystem.com, and they have grown their businesses, quit their day jobs, and are designing a life of their dreams. We keep it real and share stories about the ups and downs that come with running a photography business. You'll hear real-life stories of how other photographers run their business, and you'll learn actionable steps that you can take to reach your own goals. Thank you so much for being here, and let's get started. Hey guys, now is your chance to check out all of the incredible photography education we have available for you at theportraitsystem.com. For only $7, you will get access to over 1,000 videos, including pricing, posing, marketing, lighting, sales, inspiring photo shoots, self-value, and more. Yes, you'll get your first month for only $7 when you become a pro member, and you'll get access to the full download library with posing guides and workbooks and so much more. Also, this includes a pricing calculator, a studio startup timeline, our weekly live broadcasts, including Sue Bryce's live talks, access to our private members-only Facebook groups, special discounts on photography products, and so much more. Head over to theportraitsystem.com and enter the code PODCAST7 to get your first month for only $7. That's theportraitsystem.com and enter the code PODCAST7. This week on The Portrait System, my guest is Travis Patnod with Stink Eye Photography, and Travis was our grand champion from the last round of the Portrait Masters Awards and Accreditation, and he won with a gorgeous portrait of a dog. As you may have guessed, Travis is a pet photographer, and his dog saved his life many years ago in the most remarkable way. Travis is not a full-time photographer at this point, but he talks a lot about how he sells his work passively online and how he started an organization advocating for Spanish hunting dogs, which in turn, even though this wasn't his reason for starting it, has helped him to get some amazing clients. Okay, let's get started with Travis from Stink Eye Photography. Hi, Travis. Welcome to The Portrait System. How are you? Hey, Nikki. Thank you very much for inviting me. I'm very honored to be on your show. Yeah, I'm so happy to have you. It, so you, I mean, I, I've i known who you are just from following you or whatever, following your work, but you were our grand champion for this past round of the Portrait Masters Awards and Accreditation. 
Yeah, that was extremely surprising for me and uh, kind of took me a while to kind of grasp that. <laughs> but yeah, it was very surprising and very honored to be able to get that. Well, and, and I mean, we have thousands and thousands of entries. I don't remember how many we had this round, but I want to say it was like close to 7,000 photos. And you, wow. yeah, and you're the grand champion. It's pretty awesome. And for a pet portrait, which makes it even better because I think sometimes people have the assumption that all portraits have to be of people, but they don't. It's nice when the pets do get up in there. So it's nice to be able to see that periodically. And I was very honored that mine actually made it up there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's always really fun to judge pet portraits. You know, it's just, it's such an interesting genre to look at because you really have to know, and we have, you know, one of our judges on on our judging panel is a pet photographer. Like this, this is, he's been doing it for many, many years. You know, Craig? Yep, you follow I'm very Craig? good friends with him. Okay, awesome. And so he always, you know, takes the lead, of course, when judging pet portraits. And he has really kind of educated some of us on what to look for. Because sometimes you really have to look at the the body language and it's such like a small detail that people might not pick up on showing that the pet is uncomfortable or, you know, scared or whatever. So, yep. you know, just like with when you look at a portrait of a human being and you see the expression and you think like, Oh, you can like tell it's either a, a fake smile or they look nervous or whatever. It's not always as easy to see with pets. So, yeah, and a lot of times people confuse, you know, same as a wagging tail as being happy when that's actually a sign of nerves, also. So, it's yeah. being able to determine a lot of those little things. And that's what keeps it interesting. Yeah. All right. So I want to, I want to talk more about, you know, how you do what you do and that sort of thing. But I also, I, I kind of wanted you to just give the listeners, an overview of your quote unquote business because you are not a full-time photographer. And I kind of, I kind of think it's, it's, I don't know. It's kind of cool. Like the underdog, like, oh my gosh, seriously, no pun intended with that, but the underdog <laughs> won the, won the grand champion. And you know, this isn't your full-time gig. So there are a lot of listeners that we have who are not a full-time photographers. They have another job and so I thought it was just the perfect opportunity to interview someone who, uh, you know, isn't doing it full time, but is also just killing it at creating amazing portraits. Thank you for that. But a lot of it, it's, I took up photography in 2014 for a very specific reason, and that is to raise awareness for the hunting dogs of Spain. Mm -hmm. So when we, my wife and I adopted our first Galgo named Lena in 2012, Galgo's and a type of dog, correct? Correct. It's a okay. Spanish greyhound. Okay. And when we adopted her in 2012 and uh, learned what was happening to her and how it tied in with my story, going back a little bit on this is in 2012, I was dealing with a very dark depression. And unfortunately, I came very close to hanging myself in the garage. Oh, my gosh. Uh, luckily, as... I'm standing on the stool, something happened, and it pulled me out of that moment for that split second for me to kind of realize what was happening and pull myself out of it and stop. The following weekend, my wife and I adopted Lena, and we learned, we were told that her hunter, her Galgalero, was planning to hang her in the tree. Oh, my God. She was no longer useful to him. Oh, my God. So that irony did not get lost on me whatsoever. Mm hmm So... Mm -hmm. We spent 
longest time kind of working with her to get her comfortable with people. And as I say, is, you know, she became my therapy dog. I became a therapy human. Mm-hmm. And because of that, she saved my life. And with that, we started an adoption group to rescue these dogs from Spain, find them homes here in the U.S. And with that, I had now take adoption photos of these dogs. Wow. So going from that, as I started to see photos of other people, I started to learn the power of photography and mm-hmm. what it can do and how it can break through language barriers. So I came up with this, what I call my little scheme of, I thought I could never learn photography, that it's just one of those things you're born with. So I was trying to fake it to get into pet photography groups to try to get other pet photographers to take photos of these dogs because their followers are animal lovers. So that's the quickest way I thought of spreading awareness of these dogs. Mm-hmm. So as I learned more about photography, the more I fell in love with it for the storytelling of it. And it also gave me a voice of my depression, things like that, a way to kind of uh, manifest or show that to people. But from that, that's where I truly fell in love with photography and started moving forward with it and just trying to learn as much as I possibly could. Wow. And that wasn't that long ago, right? You got Lena in 2012? Correct. Yeah. Wow. Is this, is this photo of her, the, your grand champion photo, is that, is that her? No, that is another one of my goggles named Gemma. Okay. Oh, wow. Pets are just so, like you're telling the story and it just, it just hits you to your soul to hear something like that. Like animals really can just change your life oh, in, yeah. so, in so many ways. And it's that's amazing. what I love about them is the fact that their emotions, they just pour out of them mm-hmm. and their, their emotions are all true. It's, you know, no faking it or anything. So you mm-hmm. seek all of that. And that's what's amazing to see that and experience that stuff. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about you have another full-time job. Will you just tell people what you do? I do cybersecurity for a county government. Oh, wow. Okay. Very cool. All right. So you said you were, you were thinking about going full-time, but then you ended up not. Can you tell us a Correct. little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah, I was... Decided that I wanted to look at going full-time and just kind of, I saw the options of being able to travel more as I had my own business, be able to do things like that. But when I got to the process of studying my own business, got a business coach set up and we're going through everything, getting everything prepared and decided to launch my business February of 2019. And we all know what happened in March of 2019. So everything just became a complete standstill. So 2020, luckily, right? 20, wait, was it 2020? Yeah, 2020, right? Was it 2020? Yeah. Yeah, 2020. I, one of those, yeah, one of those years. Everything <laughs> became a blur. It's all blending together. Yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry, go ahead. But it was, yeah, the month I started, the next following month, the pandemic hit and everything stopped. Yeah. So it was one of those that it gave me that time to think of really what I wanted to do with my photography. And that's when I kind of decided I just wanted to focus strictly on raising awareness for the hunting dogs and put everything towards that. And with the pandemic, having a government job at the time, it I was stable. So I had a paycheck and a pension going. So at this time, it kind of felt like I just need to stick it out here a little bit and work that way. Mm-hmm. 
So I'll do sessions on the side, but it's about 90% of my photos is all for the Galgos. Okay. Now, I noticed on your website that you sell wall art and you have these just really incredible prints that people can purchase. And I, and I want to ask you a little bit about that. I mean, it's everything from just these gorgeous looking dogs to, you know, some of them are more simplistic in studio with just this look in their eye. You just want to take them home. And then there are some that are outdoor. You have some of eagles and birds and you know, in addition to the dogs and right. they're all just, just so beautifully crafted. I just really love it. Now, you. can you kind of like for people out there who might want to sell their work as, you know, something that someone might, obviously it's, you know, it's a little bit different when you have a client and you're photographing them and you're selling them photos of them. So yours is, is quite different because you have pieces that aren't necessarily, I mean, there are some humans in here, but right you have pieces that kind of anyone could buy and hang. Whereas, you know, someone's not going to buy prints of like my high school seniors and put them on their wall, but this type of work people potentially could. So I'm just curious how, how it goes, you know, how, how well you do with this, or is it just kind of, you threw it up there and hopefully someone buys it, you know? Yeah. A lot of the time I'll have people kind of request, Hey, I want to buy a print of this, of one of our, the dogs I photographed. So I use Fine Out America because okay. what I found with them is they're able to ship internationally. And I do have oh, a nice. good number of followers in you know Germany, Netherlands, Spain, all over. So it kind of allows them to order for those areas and be able to not get charged massive amounts of money for shipping. Mm-hmm. At first, I really wasn't putting much up there, but I was finding it would be a good way to kind of have a little extra income to kind of help pay for travel, things like that. So I've, I've been meaning to put a lot more images up there, but it's just been one of those figuring out which ones will actually work out good. Mm-hmm. The one that sells the most for me is one called saying goodbye. Oh, I um, see it. Man saying goodbye to his dog. Yep. Oh, that I have one, the chills just looking at it. My gosh. Yeah. That one it's, I created that one for myself and I, Shared it to Facebook just to get a little feedback, and before I knew it, it went viral. And I think it's been shared over three million times now on Facebook alone. Wow! And it was an emotional roller coaster. It was great to hear all the people's stories, telling about their dogs that have passed and their remembrance of it. And that was was amazing about it. And once again, reinforced the power of photos, mm-hmm. of being able to bring back memories and emotions. The things like that. So that's, yeah. it was a great reminder for myself for that also, but that's the one that has been selling the best for me. Mm-hmm. And then, and then is one, that you in the, in the photo? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I wow. did that as a self portrait, as a kind of a thank you to Lena for saving my life. Mm-hmm. And that she, the whole true story behind this is when I created this image because I wanted to thank Lena for saving my life and explain talk more open about the depression I deal with quite a bit that when I do find myself falling in the darkness again and I think about it, I almost could feel her on my shoulder hugging me. So that image kind of shows both ways of her saying goodbye, but her also coming back to comfort me. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. I didn't realize Travis that Lena is no longer with us. 
she passed Correct. away. Oh, Correct. okay. Okay. I'm so sorry. I thought for some That's reason. That, okay. Oh my gosh. This makes this portrait even more. Oh my gosh. We have a 13 and a half year old. Oh, sorry. We have a 13 and a half year old baby who I just, she's just, you know, the best thing ever in our world. I mean, I have kids too, but she's just as, you know, uh, anyway, the thought of losing her is my husband and I can't even think about it without crying, <laughs> crying right. you know? So yeah. Anyway, yeah, we have two also that are 14 that are on that showing all those signs and it's, it's the hardest thing, but I am forever grateful to have them in my mm-hmm. life. Totally. So. Uh, we're so lucky to have had her this long. I mean, she's yeah. just, and she's still healthy. I mean, she's a little deaf, <laughs> slowing down a little, <laughs> but you know, we had a scare with her where she ate mouse poison and recently yeah. I was just like, oh my gosh. Anyway. Okay. I want to understand, again, for people who might want to sell their their work, it's Travis-Patanod, which is your last name, and then .pixels.com. Is this, like, like, is this a platform that you're using to sell the work? Because when I click on it, you know, the specific portrait, there's, you can get home decor, pillows, phone cases, beach towels, coffee mugs, like, and then there's 153 comments. It, it almost feels more like a store site. Yeah, it is more of a store site. So like I said, I ended up using that one for the, to allow me to shell, sell internationally. Is it the and .pixels.com that takes you there? Or how how are you using it, your name? A lot and, of it is, I believe the main site is Find Art America. Okay. But it also goes to a couple other different domains like pixel.com. Oh, and okay. it becomes almost like a stock photo site to where anyone could order images off of those sites. And it could be stores that just want to sell images that they'll be able to post, show those images. So I get commission off of any of my images that are sold. I'm able to set what commission I want for each image. Got it. Then if they order it, they pay for the prints any framing or anything they want for that. And then I just All get right. my, my commission of it. Religion, I was looking at, you know, obviously I don't want beach towels or anything like this sold, but then I thought about it. I was like, well, if they want to buy it and pay for it, fine, yeah. buy it. Yes, yes. I've had shirts, coffee mugs, cards sold for that. I was like, hey, if I'll take whatever money you want to give me for that. It's So yeah. I kind of loosened up on that. So it it works pretty well. Yeah, that's great. Now let's talk a little bit about your, your photography sessions. So I know you said a lot of what you do goes back to the organization that you started. And what's the name of the organization again? Uh, Love, Hope, Believe, Galgo Adoption. Okay. Now I know a lot of what you do is for that, but do you do commission portraits for, for other people's pets? Yes, I'll, I do it periodically. I've kind of set it to where maybe three months out of the year, I'll set up sessions. So it kind of makes it a little more exclusive in a sense. Yep, that's smart. So this way it's uh, it helps fill up the calendar for that time. Plus, unfortunately, my studio is in my garage. So during the winter, it's not the best heating. So it is kind of focused more uh, spring through summer for those. And it just kind of be able to fill that up a little easier. Okay. I want to encourage people to check out your work and to remember that 
a lot of what you do is in your garage. (laughs) Because you wouldn't look at these photos and think like, oh, that's in a garage. I mean, that's just the last thing you would think. So Yeah, that's kind of one thing I had to step over myself with on on that too is the fact that I always thought, well, people expect this beautiful studio to go into and, you know, when people come in for sessions, it's like, yeah, it's my garage. Yeah, I've set things up so it kind of looks clean and nice, but they really don't care. They just want the beautiful images. Oh, that's exactly right. Couldn't have said it so, better. Yeah. I mean, yeah, obviously, I, you have the proof right there that you don't need a big studio. Big studio. It just, right. just don't. And I, I love finding little odd spots for that. It's I was at a conference in uh, – Minneapolis and doing photos in the hotel room. Quite a few of my photos I'll use for my backdrops, just a 36 by 48 black foam board. So that's how much space I'm using for the photos. So it doesn't take up a whole lot of space. Mm-hmm. What are you shooting with? Like, are you shooting with a, a shorter lens? Uh, my main lens is a seventy two hundred. I'm usually shooting between one hundred five to one thirty five. Oh wow! But you don't have that. I mean, you don't have a whole lot of space to be. Are you just backing backing pretty far up, or a lot of your work is just close ups? Uh, a lot of mine is I'm pretty much at the edge of the garage, so between my backdrop where I have my platform, then where I'm at, it's I'm pretty much all the way at the garage door, and I'm at the very edge of the focus of my lens. So it it can be a little challenge. So I usually have to kind of lean back a little bit when I find it's not focusing, but... Yeah, that's awesome. I just found 2470 is... I don't like the compression for it. It's just kind of... For the dogs, I don't like that. So I just kind of yeah. go to the 7200. Yeah, it's awesome. I love the 7200 too. Bit of a backbreaker, but... Yeah, it's... <laughs> It's been a great lens. Yeah, yeah. What uh, what camera do you shoot with? I now have the Canon R5. Okay, nice. So, been loving that. I've sold two of my camera bodies. I had the 5D3 and the Canon 5DSR, which mm-hmm. I absolutely loved for studio, but I could not use it at all for outdoor or action shots. Ah, uh, okay. So, I was going to look at the, uh, was it the X... The X1 three, but then they came out with the R5 and was like, that's perfect. That's all I need. Yeah, that's great. I have the R6. I so, went back and forth between the two and I was like, I think I'll just get the R6. <laughs> I loved having the full frame and being able to get as much detail for the uh, portraits as I could. Mm-hmm. And what I loved about the R5, R5 is I could actually switch it to a cropped sensor. So when oh, I'm going nice. out doing eagle, eagles with my 800 millimeter, I can switch to that and that extends that lens for me. Yeah, that's a good tip for people out there. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, as far as when you, let's say you you do three different shoots, you know, commission base from people who want you to photograph their pets. Is there a specific, do you offer like packages? Is it a la carte? Do you have a session fee? You know, and then how much time, this is kind of a double question. And right. then also how much time do you spend per shoot and editing time and all of that? Yeah, for my sessions, I do not charge a session fee. So pretty much all the income comes in from selling prints. So 
with that, it's I don't do digital images either. Or if I do, there's a thousand dollar max right off the bat just for any digital prints. But with that, I do have a list of, I guess it is kind of a la carte. I do have a couple packages, but most of it is a la carte for that. And with the sessions, that is usually, I book about two hours per session. But most of the time, it's I could, we're usually done in about an hour, hour and a half. It all depends on the dog coming in and how comfortable they are. Right. And getting them in that in a comfortable position. So that's usually what plays the biggest role of it. Yeah, it sounds like you have a really a good thing going. And I, and I know, you know, it's, I guess you could call it part-time now. Do you have any intentions, do you think, of, of maybe, uh, you know, moving forward to try to go full-time? Or are you just kind of happy with where you're at now? Uh, I am keeping that in the back of my mind that, yes, it would be still great to be able to go full-time. Trying to get some things set back up to prepare for that. So it's just kind of reevaluating my plan to be able to do that. So a lot of it's just kind of through the pandemic, trying to get some other bills paid off so it makes it easier for that movement. And uh, just seeing where we're at in the next two years of, because I know we, my wife and I have discussed about moving. So we're trying to figure out what we're doing with that as of yet. So the dogs need a bigger house. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Well, that's awesome. You know, one more question about business stuff before I ask you the right. questions at the end, but um how do you find the clients to do you know to bring in for commissioned work? Honestly, it's clients tend to find me either through Instagram, Facebook or Sighthound groups that they've seen my images and they'll just reach out to me. I've not really done any marketing for it. So a lot of it, I just put stuff out on Instagram, Facebook, Mm -hmm. and go that way. In those, I don't mention me doing sessions or anything. So they'll just reach out to me and and ask me about sessions. Yeah, that's awesome that you have clients coming in. You didn't really have to... I mean, it just seems like when you quote-unquote market, I know you're not technically trying to market, but when you are authentically and genuinely showing your work, you know, with just the intention of, because you want to, and because it feels good for you to do it, right. it it's, you know, it's it's amazing how much can come in return. And yeah. people tend to connect to the images more and not just a sales pitch or... Mm-hmm. It, it seems too that the Greyhound, you know, the People who love greyhounds love greyhounds. Like it seems like a connect, a con- really connected community of people that when they find each other, it's like a special bond or something. Am I am no, I we, wrong in that? Or yeah, we call it a cult. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yeah, with sighthounds, pretty much any sighthound, everyone knows each other, or sees that, and shares that information. So that's where a lot of that stuff comes from is other sighthound owners sharing the images and so forth. Yeah. Now let's take a little bit more time for you to talk about your organization. And cause you, you've said Spanish hunting dogs, but what exactly is happening with the dogs? And you know, how did you even discover that this was happening? Well, when we, after we adopted Lena and kind of learned what was happening with her and we started to research more about the hunting dogs of Spain and what we learned kind of mortified us. So basically, 
the Galgaleros, which are people in Spain that use dogs to hunt for hair or other animals, they will mass breed these dogs to try to find what's called, they consider the next champion. So hunting is not true hunting to feed your family or anything. It, it's now become a competition mm. that there's a lot of betting yeah. on. Yeah. So it happens in open fields. And basically when they uh, have these dogs, they're, they're just mass bred. And what will happen is they will go start the training sessions. And if the dog does not show any interest in it or, you know, it could be simply as the dog sits down next to him or looks back when he's doing a chase, that will get the dog sacrificed. because Sacrificed? Yeah, they, they will kill the dog for that. Oh, my God. Uh, and it could be horrifying. The other side of it, too, is what they call a dirty galgo is while the dog's uh, chasing the rabbit, they expect the dog to follow the exact path of the rabbit. But if the dog is has experience hunting, he'll cut the corner to catch the hare, and they consider that cheating, and that will also get the dog killed. So once again, it's not true hunting. It's more about the entertainment and competition for the that they expect for that. So this is unfortunately been going on for a long, long time, and it has not gotten any better. And unfortunately, Spain just passed a new animal welfare law, which when they first uh, submitted this law in 2001, it included the hunting dogs. And it was pretty much that, you know, you had to be licensed to breed them. Uh, no dog could be euthanized without a vet to verify the sickness or whatever. Uh, each person had to take a test to actually own a dog. And they also had to have liability insurance for each dog. But the hunters, they fought against it and actually had all the hunting dogs removed from that law. So right now the hunting dogs have zero protection in Spain. Oh my God. So it's one of those things that the animals that truly needed that protection, they got removed from it again. What? And I was out there in February to be part of the protests. So about 41 cities within Spain and also in Europe, thousands of people came out to protest that the dog, these hunting dogs were removed from that law. So unfortunately... Did it change anything? No. Unfortunately, it became normal politics of the group that was trying to get them in. Heard that the southern part of Spain, hunters were going to now vote for the other side because they were going to vote to have the dogs included. So they changed it and they didn't want to lose their seats in parliament. Isn't that lovely? Yeah, instead of doing something right and standing up for it, they caved and... Ugh, it's disgusting. So unfortunately, now that the law is passed, it most likely will not be revisited again for a long time because they consider this a win and an improvement. But once again, these dogs have been excluded and it's roughly about 100,000 of these dogs are killed every single year in Spain. 100,000? Yep. Wow. So it's the shelter I work with in Spain in Das Hermanas. They have their shelter holds about 750 dogs. And it's about 80% of them are Galgos. Wow. 
you know, it's it's one of these things where, I mean, obviously, you know, you found these dogs, they found you, you know, whichever way you want to look at it. And it has become an, you know, an intense passion of, of you helping them. And, and you get to do so much of that through your photography. And so, you know, for people listening, it's like, if there's something that you're super passionate about, you know, maybe, maybe you bring photography into it in some way, you know, like joining your two passions and, and I don't know, you never know what can, what could come from it because obviously you do this out of your heart, but it is nice to have that kind of business kickback. I mean, not kickback that you're getting from the organization, but just in general, you know, clients coming in and you get more clients because of what you do and that sort of thing, even though it's, you're not necessarily using it for that, but right. nice, right? <laughs> like, yeah, it's it helps pay for the trips to Spain and things like that. Yeah. And that's probably some of the best advice I got when I started out was shoot what you're passionate about and mm-hmm. it will show up in your images. Yeah, definitely. So. Yeah, it's it's very true. It's nice to be able to, like you said, fund your passion too. Like when this was a long time ago, but in 2009, I started a nonprofit for um, autism advocacy and education in developing countries. And I sold, I think I've told this story before on the podcast, or I've mentioned it before. So sorry if I'm repeating myself for everyone listening. But I ended up finding a family in Nepal. That was where our first project was. And because it's expensive to fly to Nepal, hotels, you know, everything. And I I found this family who creates just the most beautiful jewelry and it's dirt cheap to buy. And I bought it in bulk and brought it home and sold it. I was a school social worker at the time. I would like have it in the teacher's lounge. People would buy it for you know, gifts for birthdays and holidays and all the things. And I used to go to art fairs and sell it there. And that's kind of how I funded a lot of these projects. But uh, I wasn't, a, I was not a photographer at the time. <laughs> so I didn't have a way to use my photography. To, you know. <laughs> but that's also nice when you have that, it, they know the story behind it and why you're raising awareness. And it means so much more mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a great way to get people interested in, and willing to help and help you when they know your passion, passionate about it also. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's, you know, we have this kind of unique skill, career, whatever it is of, of photography that we can use to better the world, whatever that means to us, you know, whatever cause we, that is really speaks to us. We, we can use our photography to do that. And, and, and it's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's, the one thing I've loved about it, it's just, you know, the whole thing of social change, being able to share those stories and, you know, show the beautiful side of the world and sometimes the ugly side of it. But it's those stories that connect everyone. Mm-hmm. It's true. And that, like I said, that's the main thing that drew me to it is the fact that it breaks through language barriers. Yep, sure does. Well, this has been really great. Thank you so much for just opening up and, you know, being vulnerable and sharing all of this. I, It's, yeah, really, really glad we uh, we talked about all this. Thank you. And I'm, like I said, I'm very honored to be part of the show and be able to be on it. So thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I have the last four questions that I always ask at the end of each episode. And the first one is, what is something you can't live without when you're doing a photo shoot? Hmm. I want to probably go with connection. So if I'm not connected with the dog, 
then the images will not connect with people. So it's important for me to be able to be in the moment with the dog and feel everything the dog is. So, you know, the happiness, you know, if they're nervous, being able to kind of control, help control that for them. And I find that that's the most important thing for me is having that connection because that is truly what shows through in the images. Awesome. Perfect. All right. Number two is, well, I kind of have a feeling what you're going to say, but how do you spend your time when you're not working? (laughs) Hmm. That's a hard one because trying to find time. (laughs) I know. I was thinking, well, in Spain with the dogs, with your wife. (laughs) I'll say in my website is the most relaxing vacation I've ever had was sleeping in a shelter with 750 dogs. 750 dogs. Yeah, it was pretty much a dark at night, but it becomes white noise. But wake up in the morning and I have a whole sea of wagging tails. Aww. Just go hang out with the dogs in the morning and at night. And it, like I said, it was the most relaxing vacation. Downfall is the following week. I was in a hotel in Catafe, Spain, and one dog barking out my window and got zero sleep. <laughs> See, that dog was probably stressed out outside. Like, yep. Oh, pretty ironic. Seven fifty versus one, and yeah. All right, number three is what is your favorite inspirational quote? Hmm. Know this one from uh, Les Brown because this one was one that my studying photography allowed me to completely change my mindset. Because when I was first studying photography, I was just like. Can some idiot with a camera really make a difference? And who the hell want want to see my images since I've never knew about photography to begin with? So, but I was listening to uh, talk, and this he mentioned this, and it completely changed my mindset on it. And it's whenever you look at someone that's been successful, do not make the mistake of making them extraordinary at your expense. You are capable of anything they're capable of, but it comes down to the mental constructs that you have to build and leverage in your own mind to do something great. Focus on being the learner and putting more energy behind it than anyone else. Mm. And that's exactly what I did. uh I love that. Yep. Yeah, I think think sometimes maybe people, you know, when they're just starting out or whatever, and they, they might put some others up on a pedestal, but we all started somewhere. We all started at the bottom. And that was the other side I learned is you compare yourself to people, but you're on completely different journeys. So just because you see someone, if I look at Craig's images, I'm like, okay, these are phenomenal. Why do I suck? It's like, well, he's got on a much longer journey. He's been there so much longer doing this and has that experience. And I'm still trying to catch up to that. So it's just, I learned to see all of that as motivation now of, Okay, he's able to do it. I could definitely get to that point. It's just learning how the path to get to that point. And that's really where I, that changed my mindset on that. Well, hopefully getting a grand champion helped help with that. Well, that, <laughs> that was a nice little... I would say like, you're I, good enough. <laughs> I could no longer call myself a uh, you know professional idiot with a camera. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, Travis, that's awesome. Very cool. All right. Uh, number four, what would you tell people who are just starting out? I feel like what you just said could lend to that as well. But Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's a lot of it is shoot what you're passionate about. 
Because one, when you're passionate about it, you know all the ins and outs of what you're photographing. You know what to look for, the connections to make with that. And secondly, it's don't get caught in the trap of comparing yourself to everybody. Everyone has their own journeys going through this Mm -hmm. and their own voice. So use your own voice. And, you know, there's one that was saying that, you know, share your images, you know, regardless of how bad you think it is, tell the story, you know, teach us through your images of what you're trying to show. And that's the biggest thing for me right now. Mm -hmm. Use your own voice. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Just be true to yourself. Don't try to follow the trends and, you know, between competitions or social media, just do yourself. And Mm -hmm. that's truly where your style shows up. That's great. All right. Where can people find you online if they're looking for you? The main spot would probably be my Instagram, which is uh, stinkeye underscore photography. That's the main one I'm pretty much updating the most right now. And then your, wait, real quick. I just want to say your wall art one is... Travis-Patinod.pixels.com. Or you can just go to my website at Stink Eye Photography and look on the fine art. That would be much easier. (laughs) Oh, okay. StinkEyePhotography.com. Much easier. Anyway. All right. Awesome. (laughs) Sweet. Well, thank you again. I really appreciate you coming on. And yeah, I'm excited. Oh, thank you very much again. Excited for everyone to hear your story. Yeah, sweet. You have a great weekend. You too. Thank you. I will. Thank you so much for listening to the Portrait System Podcast. Your five-star reviews really help us to continue what we do. So if you like listening, would you mind giving us a review wherever you listen? I also encourage you to head over to SueBriceEducation.com where you can find all of the education you need to be a successful photographer. There are over 1,000 on-demand educational videos on things like posing, lighting, styling, retouching, shooting, marketing, sales, business, and self-value. There's also the 90-day startup challenge plus so many downloads showing hundreds of different poses. We have to-do checklists for your business, lighting PDFs. I mean, truly everything to help make you a better photographer and to make you more money. Once again, that's SueBriceEducation.com. It's time for me to tell you about this episode's sponsor, Fujifilm North America. If you haven't experienced portraits and wedding scenes created on the large format GFX system digital camera sensor, you are missing out. Along with up to 102 megapixel resolution, you'll find rich colors and gorgeous in-camera looks. There's also AI-driven subject detection and 8 frames per second bursts inside the compact GFX100 digital camera. Hit the link in this episode's description to view the products. It's time to dream big in your creative process.